What's up, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of Falcons in Focus, presented by Ticketmaster, recorded according to the sign up there at Ticketmaster Studios. I'm Scott Bear. That's Troy McElhaney, the man of the hour. Micah Abernathy is here with us. Um, and Micah, let's 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 take us back to what December of last year, right? Mm-hmm. You're in Green Bay. Right. Real frozen tundra time of the year, too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if your agent calls you or who kind of gave you the information mm-hmm. that Atlanta was going to sign you off a of Green Bay's practice squad. You're from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You went to high school here. Yeah, born here. Atlanta Christian, mm-hmm. right? GAC? Yeah. Yeah. Born here. Get to come home and play for your hometown Falcons. Tell us that story about who gave you the call and what it kind of meant to you. Oh my gosh, I'm going to play in, in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a um, Friday, actually, end of the week. Very cold day in Green Bay. <laughs> and uh, my agent, Cameron Weiss, called me. And I had just gotten to my place. Didn't even walk in the door. Saw his phone call, answered it. And uh, he was telling me, he was like, yeah, Atlanta wants to claim you. And I was like, wow, this is, this is eye-opening. This is an interesting <laughs> feeling because I was – preparing for a game. Um, and then I got the call, uh, immediately called my mom. Uh, my mom, it was actually New Year's, so my mom was coming up for New Year's mm-hmm. and she had already bought her flight and everything. And I called her and I was just like, yeah, so you're gonna have to cancel your flight. Um, <laughs> she was like, why? I was like, well, I'm coming home. And she thought I got cut and I was just playing with her for a little bit. And then I had to let her know that I was getting claimed. And then she was like, wow, this is this is a blessing in disguise. And she was like, I don't really care about the flight. So <laughs> I'm happy. She was like, I'll see you on a Friday. And wow. Uh, yeah. So a, a Friday, that's basically the last prep day. And then mm-hmm. it's go time. And then kind of coming down here, you know, you're able to kind of get into the mix and kind of be back home, mm-hmm. you know. And then you've obviously been that way over the course of the off season and we're heading, you know, towards the regular season coming up kind of what's it been like, you know, you hear different stories about guys who get to play at home. Like what is the, what has the experience been like for you? The experience of playing at home is definitely one of a kind. I try to explain it to some people that are in different uh, teams of the league and things like that, but it's it's definitely like you just you're home, but you can't really be home. So <laughs> right. me, me being from I'm actually from the city. I grew up on the west side of Atlanta, and it's kind of far. I'm like 50 minutes from my mom's house, but it's really really close at the same time. This is the closest I've been since high school. I haven't played in Georgia since high school. And um, it's just an eye-opening experience. You, as soon as you get down here, you automatically have fans, uh, whether it's friends or family or people that just know your family. And it's it's just amazing the support that I've gotten since I've been here. I think there's like been such a pipeline almost with former high school standouts from Georgia mm-hmm. that have now full circled it. You talk about like guys like Penny Hart. Mm-hmm. Guys like Lorenzo Carter, yourself, D'Angelo, D'Angelo uh, Malone, Justin Schaefer, yeah, Tyler, Taylor, yeah, Heineke. John Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I mean, Fitz. all there are so many of these. It's a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot. It's almost like a AJ. Yeah, That's AJ right. Grady. Grady. There's a lot of us. <laughs> well, you, we, we really, really need to take a picture. I was going to say, you only it's like twenty percent of the roster. <laughs> it's funny too because it's like I mean I think it speaks to the level of kind of competition at the high school level for for the state of Georgia. But what was it like for you, kind of growing up in West? Atlanta and kind of what are your some of your favorite stories from from childhood maybe even going to greater Atlanta Christian so uh, I can give you two parts there growing up on the west side of Atlanta my most memorable things that I remember growing up was definitely the Falcons games Um, 
And my mom worked at Turner Broadcasting Systems for so long that she was able to get tickets for Hawks games, Braves games, things like that. So definitely the sports atmosphere in general. And then on top of that, the, the historic background that the city has as well. Um, just going to the West End side of Atlanta or um, just the Cascade area or things like that. But as I got older, um, just being at Greater Atlanta Christian, seeing the the atmosphere that we have in the Gwinnett County sports arenas and things like that is, is it was eye-opening because you don't really get that feeling in the city but once you get out into Gwinnett County like sports are like the top tier and you see like all these big schools they have like 4,000 kids yeah. then they have these football fields these stadiums these are basketball arenas like it's strictly just for those sports so it's, it's pretty eye-opening so growing up were you a Falcons fan like I was. you were who, yeah. who was the guy for you was it Vic? It was Vic. Yeah, yeah of course I, it was. I feel like it has to it be, has right? To be. It was Vic, for yeah. sure. I mean, he every Sunday we're watching the Falcons games. What do you yeah. think he meant to I, – I love asking this question to, to people who were in Atlanta at the time because I, I think Michael Vick was such a transformative figure for mm -hmm. just athletes in general, but especially here in Atlanta. And everybody you talk to, it's like, oh, Michael Vick changed the game. For you kind of growing up in the area, what did what did kind of his evolution in the program pro game like mean to you as as a kid growing up in West Atlanta? For me, I mean, I in Little League, I wanted to play quarterback. I did play quarterback. I wanted to wear number seven. I wore number seven. <laughs> um, and if I didn't have that opportunity, I was trying to be like Vic in any way possible. Right. I, had, I had his shoes and sneakers. Um, I wanted his cleats. I mean, it was anything Vic in Atlanta, you wanted to be him. And um, he had an influence over the kids, like even adults or whoever was in the city of Atlanta, like his influence was impactful. Mm -hmm. You know, you wrote a a really profound story for the Players' Tribune in mm -hmm. 2016 when you were at, sorry, Tori, he, it's a fact. He went I know, to Tennessee. The best, Tennessee. School, the best school in the SEC. That, Gosh, to say. that ugly orange. Uh, one of a kind. Gaudy orange. orange. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and I, I think it was right after Tennessee beat Georgia, as mm -hmm. a matter of fact. Yeah. He wrote yeah, yeah, this we get it. story for the Players' <laughs> Tribune. And the thing that really stuck out to me is like, uh, you know, like you want to represent the school that you're at, the colors that you're representing, mm -hmm. but you also want to represent the name on the back of your jersey. Right. And that was something that you kind of emphasized then in that story mm -hmm. and uh, can you kind of expand on that i mean obviously your 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 family going back to your grandfather and the civil rights movement the abernathy name means so much to mm -hmm. so many people here and it obviously means something to you can you kind of expand upon like why it's important to you to represent that name as well as you can in whatever you do yeah so i kind of explained this a little bit but people ask me if it's a weight on my shoulders uh bearing the name Abernathy mm -hmm. and it is but I've been wearing it for so long that I'm kind of used to it yeah um, it definitely does mean something to me when I was a little kid I wasn't really sure about it and then as I got older um, whether I was in school or sporting events or anything like that people would ask me uh, am I related to this family or how I'm related to this family and I would tell them and then it'd just be like taken aback a little bit and like it was kind of like eye-opening for them and that kind of as I got older it, it meant more and more to me and um just being able to represent my family, especially with the platform that I have, it means a lot. I mean, there's, I'm actually one of the younger generations of my family. Um, so I'm the youngest in my immediate family. I have um, two younger cousins. And um, it's just like, I can be me, but I also am representing more than just myself. So it's, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Do you ever like think about, and this is probably just like a 
big picture question maybe you haven't but just like what your family means to even like the city of atlanta like is that something that you even growing up had a cognizant understanding of i think yeah as i got older i had a cognizant understanding of it but i mean i'm kind of just just living your life yeah Yeah. just, just doing me living my life i think my parents did a really good job and my grandparents as well but they did a really good job of like letting us know that we are ourselves and we are not who people tell us to be so like we all have our own personalities and our own things here and there and they did a really good job of explaining to us that we need to be ourselves and not form to a mold of what other people want us to be yeah and you talk about like in in the piece that scott was talking about with the players tribune you talked a lot about your father and and Mm -hmm. who who he was for you and and just the impact that he had on your life is there a favorite story that you have of just like it it epitomizes to you like who he he was and and maybe you know still is living like within you to to where you are now definitely um his his outlook on the meaning of family for sure and quality time i would say he was a very hands-on father yeah. like in every aspect of the word i mean i don't know if i mentioned it in that article but i didn't even go to a barber for a long time he was cutting my hair like, for, <laughs> for a while I, I think maybe up until like seventh grade my dad was cutting my hair so it was like the quality time and the relationship that you have with your father as a son, it means a lot. And that's one thing that like stuck with me and we would be in the bathroom or like we'd be out in the kitchen or living room or wherever and it'd be like an hour long conversation. And that's something that like kind of stuck with me as I got older and older and older. And I was like, why was he talking to me for so long? Like, I just wanna <laughs> I just wanna go play video games or something. Yeah. And uh, just like, definitely that, just uh, yeah. the quality time. and. Um, I mean, he was a talker for sure. If you ask anybody that knew him, he definitely would talk your ear off. And Could that talk to was, a brick wall. Yeah, for sure, yeah, for yeah. sure, talking to a brick wall. So <laughs> that was definitely something that stuck, stuck with me. And after, and he would, like, rock the Tennessee orange in Atlanta. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, he didn't care. <laughs> he he did not care. And before it, was, before it was the Tennessee orange, my brother played at University of Cincinnati, so he'd be wearing his Bearcats hat anywhere and everywhere. He did not care. Yeah. It, in, in, in the article, it says that he would say that he was proud of you, like, several times per day like mm-hmm. almost like you wouldn't be able to get out of that long yeah. conversation with like without that coming no, up for sure right? that, was, that was like his phrase it, it was and yeah. it, that's something that maybe you know like when you're a kid and you're listening to your parents like sometimes my, my brain will just turn off mm-hmm. you know what i mean right, but yeah. you know when, when you look back on those conversations you know to have that kind of resonate must be pretty cool yeah for sure and i mean since he's been gone my family has definitely told me like this like they knew that he was so proud of us that they reiterated to his kids now. So it was uh, definitely something that everyone kind of noticed that he was very proud of his kids. Yeah. And so just to kind of go back a little bit, your grandfather is uh, Ralph David Abernathy, who worked a lot with, with Dr. King and the mm-hmm. civil rights movement. He was instrumental in so many major nonviolent protests in the 1960s. Your dad got arrested a couple times mm. because he was with his parents and stuff like that as a kid as a kid so you you, you didn't get a chance to meet your grandfather Mm-mm. but did your parents kind of like get, tell stories and give you a good impression of of the type of man that he was mm-hmm. um and the type of impact that he had was that like were like those stories kind of passed on to you and what did it mean to kind of hear and kind of live through 
kind of like what your dad was saying. Yeah, there was there was definitely stories that I was told me and my brother and sister as we got older. Um, for as long as I can remember, really, the the stories were told. I mean, if you go to my grandmother's house, his wife Juanita Odessa Jones Abernathy, she was um, my one and only grandparent growing up. But mm -hmm. she did such a good job; I didn't even think to have the other grandparents <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah. But if you go in her in her home, she had pictures on every wall in her living room that you could see from the civil rights movement and up until the time that we were born. And it was like walking through a museum. So I've, I've seen and heard a lot of the stories. So it was pretty cool. Is there one specifically that sticks out to you that you you kind of, I don't know, that, that means something to you? Yeah, there's definitely a bone chilling uh, story. I've kind of, I've, I've explained this a couple of times since I've talked about my family mm -hmm. with my platform, but so my family was living in um, Alabama actually before moving to Atlanta. And part of the reason, the main reason that my family ended up moving was because my grandparents' house was bombed. And my grandmother was in the house, my grandfather wasn't there. And the oldest child, Wandalyn, was around two years old, I believe. But my grandmother was actually pregnant and she was pregnant with her second child, uh, Donsley. She's an actress in Los Angeles actually. And um, if the bomb had been any closer to the house or any closer to the gas line, she wouldn't have made it out. Yeah. My grandmother and my aunt would have would have died in that bombing. And by the grace of God, they were they were able to make it out. And I actually, now that you mention it, that um, picture is in my grandmother's house of the bombing wow. of the house. Yeah, wow. it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and then. So then the family moved to Atlanta mm -hmm. and your grandfather took over the West Hunter Baptist Church. West Hunter Street. Street, mm -hmm. sorry. Um, and you guys are actively trying to restore right. that, right, with mm -hmm. some federal grants and are trying to make that a, cool. a historic site. Kind yeah. of what, how, how's that kind of process going? And um, is, it, is it cool to see the, the, the efforts being put behind this restoration? Yeah, it's, it's really cool, actually. So my mother is, is ahead of that right now, mm -hmm. um, which is the first West Hunter Street Baptist Church. And now the bigger West Hunter Street Baptist Church is not far down the road, but it's, mm -hmm. it's in the West End, uh, West End side of Atlanta. And uh, I saw when it was pretty bad, actually. It yeah. was, it was uh, we had issues with the roof, the walls, the stained glass windows, the flooring was messed up, the pews were gone, like everything was just kind of destroyed. It was like an old abandoned building. And uh, my mom is taking that and she has really took it in stride. And if you look at it now, it's it's beautiful in there. Like the, the way that the sun comes through the stained glass windows, there's a, it's everywhere, man. It, it's, it's just nice, the, the roof, the walls, everything is, nice and clean and she's uh she's doing a great job i'm proud of her that's really cool too that you know your mom marries into mm -hmm. the family and she kind of takes on this name and in, in the legacy of it in her own way right. that's i think that's pretty fascinating too and really awesome as well because i mean you talk about your grandfather and your dad but your mom and and your grandmother played a huge role in all of this as well mm -hmm. I, as long as um i can remember my mom was really like on board with everything and as, as well as my grandmother um and i think the women in the movement outside of my mom and grandmother did a a, a great job at um supporting and being head of what they needed to do in the movement and i think they get overlooked sometimes but for sure my mom and my grandmother they uh 
yeah, there a lot of people don't even know that um, my grandmother might have been married into the family, or my mom might have been married into the family because they they bear the name and they yeah. they, they wear it proudly and mm-hmm. they just they stand tall. So love that y'all bought the church back in the two thousands, right? Mm-hmm. And then that kind of got this effort going, but. Yeah. Uh, to get that grant, right, to really be able to put money into that. And there's a community center mm-hmm. down there as, as well yeah. to be able to kind of see that and make that like a home for another generation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, must be kind of a, a, a cool thing in, mm-hmm. in, in that neighborhood that you guys have kind of Right. So when, when we got the grant, actually, it was a, a little event that we had there. And my brother was actually speaking at the, the Capitol. So. I went with my brother that day and my sister with my mom that day. And then we went back over to the church. Me and my brother went over to the church and uh, we were like on the, on the, um, in the um, pulpit. And uh, me and my brother were kind of standing up there and it was a crowd, not, not too many people, but um, somebody asked me and my brother were like, how does it feel to be standing in the same place your grandfather stood? And I was like, whoa, I didn't even think about that. It was kind of like eye opening and uh, humbling to be able to, really stand in the same spot that he stood in, in the same church that really got his um his foot in the ground in Atlanta. Does it mean something to, I mean, we, we talk about all of this and, and I think it's so, so amazing in and of itself, but to also be able to have kind of the platform that you do with the Falcons, specifically a team that you grew up in, a city that you grew up in, how much does that kind of impact the weight of all of this for you too? I mean, it it impacts it a lot for sure. I think, like I said, the support that I have here Mm -hmm. from people I don't even know or people that might know my family or they knew my aunt, my dad, my whoever, like the the older generations as well. I think that's like the biggest thing that I've seen since I've been here is like, I might just have somebody that like, just sees a name on the back of my jersey. Like if we're practicing at the stadium and they might, they might say something and I'm like, oh wow, that's, you know, I, I didn't really have this, this same feeling in other places. So it's pretty cool to have it here. And to to be at this point in your football journey, mm-hmm. you transition a little bit in in this football journey. It's not like, you know, you were a first round pick and had you know everything was easier, right? That you've mm-hmm. had to kind of earn your way and earn your spot here. And when you look at this opportunity, it looks like a pretty good one that you're taking advantage of from the outside, mm-hmm. right? And to to be able to kind of to be in this spot. You know, you bounced around to some different teams, played mm-hmm. in the USFL, but to be here and really with a shot to make a strong impact on this team, kind of does your football journey, you know, like what it took to get here, maybe tough times and good and bad times to have this opportunity. Do you kind of think about kind of where you've come from to where you are now? From no, a for sure. I, I, I think about it every day. I mean, even a year ago, I had just got to Green Bay. I got to Green Bay yeah. late. Um and made an impact as soon as I got there. But I was actually just telling some of my teammates before we had the, uh, or actually as soon as we left Miami, for Miami, I was telling them, I was like, I was at home at this point last year. I didn't even get the opportunity. I didn't come in until two days before the first preseason game. So my journey, at least over this last 52 weeks, 53 weeks is is crazy. So I definitely think about it every day. And, for the last three or four years, it's definitely been ups and downs, but it made me who I am. So. Well, what did it take for you to kind of get your foot in the door of the league? Because we talk about, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, I don't think you played at all in 21? Correct. What was that year like for you in terms of like 
do I want to continue down this road or do I want to do something else? Like, cause I feel like that's probably going through the back of your head. And what was it that kind of made you want to get, you know, put yourself back on the path of wanting to get into the league? I knew, I knew what I could do and who I was. I think that's really what was my driving force. But I mean, it was tough yeah. like waking up three, four times a week, going to the field, um, by myself, it was tough running through drills by myself, recording myself, making sure that my footsteps are right or making sure I'm not overstepping here or there. Like, I mean, defensive back is a very technical position. It's all about fundamentals. So going out there and coaching myself for a year and a half was definitely tough. And um, I mean, honestly, it was, it was really just faith driven. Mm -hmm. I, I knew I, I would get the opportunity to, to show who I was. And when I got that opportunity, I tried to make the most of it. Mm -hmm. uh, the the USFL tape, right? I mean, like that experience, mm -hmm. you know, what did that mean in relation to your journey to be able to, to go play, you know, put some good stuff on tape for some of these teams to see? I mean, before. at that point, it meant everything. I didn't yeah. know if I was going to get another opportunity in the NFL. Uh, I was hoping I would, but I mean, you just never really know. And it just, it just meant everything. I went out there every game and tried to give my all and like I said, by the by the grace of God and faith, it was I got the opportunity. I think it's cool too that you're talking about you know that for that year and a half you're kind of your own teacher and mm -hmm. then you go to Green Bay you know you jump around but then you go to Green Bay and you get to work with Jerry Gray mm -hmm. and he to me is like the ultimate teacher. Yeah. Every time I watch him interact with you guys, I'm like he's a teacher as much as anything. Mm -hmm. What was he to your development? in y'all's time together. I actually had Coach Gray in Minnesota as well. Oh, wow. You did? I don't know that yet. I so didn't know that. My first team was in Minnesota. Okay. Uh, 2019. And uh, then I was able to work with him last year in Green Bay, and I got the got to work with him the whole year. And his knowledge on the game is, is kind of crazy, honestly. It is, like, mm -hmm. yeah. He, he knows things that are happening before they happen. I mean, he the reason I got that pick last year uh, against the Saints in preseason was because of him. He right. he called the playoff, and I was just trusting him. I was like, all right, well, <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna go right make this play. Yeah, yeah. He, was like, he was like, seven rounds, seven rounds. Like, all right, so I just <laughs> went and made the play. But um, he's a, he's definitely a teacher. Mm -hmm. He's a coach and a teacher, and I yeah. think uh, you can be a coach, but you might not be a good teacher. But he's both, so mm -hmm. it's a it's a good it's a good mix, especially with the group of guys that we have. Yeah, and to in Green Bay, right? You you're trying to make an impression, you're trying to learn a playbook when you're getting mm -hmm. in with a new team and you haven't had the OTAs to kind of warm right. up to it. But you made an impact quickly there. There's a bunch of injuries at safety, right? Mm -hmm. And but then bang, you kind of make your stamp right away. That those first that that like initial wave of time with the Packers to be able to do that right away, kind of say, "Hey man, I can do this." Mm -hmm. How much did that mean to you? It meant a lot. I mean, it was it was everything for me. Like I said, I mean, I like coming in late to camp. I, I came in what the third week of camp or so, right, right. before the first preseason yeah. game, and I didn't know if I was going to get another opportunity. I've been places where I've been in there for a week or so and then got cut. So I was just trying to make the most of every second that I got in that building, and it just ended up working out and making plays and. Hard work trumps all, so that's really what I tried to show them that I could do. Now, this opportunity in Atlanta, I mean, we've talked about, like, what it means to you, like, personally, but from mm -hmm. a professional standpoint and, and kind of what is being built here in Atlanta, what excites you about this group that you guys have? 
uh, specifically the DBs or the entire team? If you want to talk about DBs, we can talk about DBs. We can talk about both. Let's start with the DBs because I, I feel very strongly about the secondary and mm. I, I feel like y'all have something really special. We got guys everywhere. Yeah. I mean, we know it though. We know we have ballers in every position and every layer of our defense specifically, but our, our DBs, like we're, we're hard workers. We know each other. Um, we're very close, I would say, at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't even been around each other that long. And um, I think we're a very close-knit group, and we can be honest with each other. I think we feed, feed off each other well on the field and off the field personality-wise. I know we got some characters back there. <laughs> Most certainly. But, um, yeah, do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I think our group is very special. And it's, it's I mean, I'm just trying to do my job, really. Right. Yeah, I think that's everybody's role right now, though. And then with – defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen it's like every single time we talk to anybody it's like the words attack and aggression Mm -hmm. like come come through that's like the two words that always come up when we're talking about this defense for you kind of how do you see that enacting in in who this defense is I mean we we practice it every day I mean I think coach Nielsen does a really good job of showing us what he wants out of us and Every day we walk in the meeting room, we see attack and aggressive. That's mm-hmm. that's his two things that he wants us to do. He probably says that in his sleep a little bit. So <laughs> probably, yeah. That's kind of like yeah. what's really going on in the back of his head every time he calls a play. So it's uh it's pretty cool to see like the passion that he has for himself, uh, as well as the players that he puts out into the field and in the position. So it's pretty cool. Do you feel like? Uh, maybe you don't, but do you feel like there's been like a corner turned in terms of your level of? play or do you feel like that you've gotten better in certain areas or is it just about I have an opportunity and I'm able to take advantage of it I think it's more so just the opportunity mm-hmm. I mean I, every time I walk on the field I know that there the opportunity can't be taken away from me by injury or just other things that might happen and the opportunity itself is motivating me at this point I don't really think about anything else yeah. Are I you think, guys? I love that I think that's a really good point it's like the opportunity in and of itself is the motivation mm-hmm. That's, yeah right yeah and that you have it there's a couple more preseason games left to go and mm-hmm. you know again a lot of quality and a lot of depth there and yeah characters so <laughs> are you do you sing and dance like richie and jalen no that, no i mean at home <laughs> yeah nah, not nah. like in public no no i'm gonna lead at a richie and Hall. <laughs> yeah so it's kind of like you and jesse kind of chilling and then yeah. the other guys You'll let them do all the dancing. Yeah, we're stuff. we're definitely a good, well balanced crew. <laughs> and we were in the dorms together, and it was half and half. But it, it was cool though. It was cool. I mean, you need that. Yeah. You need those kind of guys around. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like getting through camp, it, the the players are living at the dorms. It's a grind. I think we mentioned you're on day twenty or something yeah. like mm-hmm. that, with many more days to go. How do you kind of keep yourself sane during? Like during training camp, do you have any weird rituals? You got snacks you eat, you got video games you play, anything that kind of, or is it just all football all the time? <laughs> I mean, right now it's definitely all football all the time. Yeah. But I would say I read or I go on walks uh, around my neighborhood or something like that just to clear my head. Um, I typically try to do it alone and leave my phone or do whatever I need to do to just clear my head. So I go on like a 20, 20 30 minute walk. Yeah. We love a hot girl walk. Yeah. <laughs> we do. It is. It's too hot to walk. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I know. I wait till the sun's down. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not Sunset doing that. Sure. I'm from Southern California, the the land of seventy two and partly cloudy. So this whole thing. The I'm muggy like, heat is yeah. a little different. I don't know how Humidity. you practice that. We'll get ya. Yeah. Um. We've come to the point in the podcast, probably one of my favorites. It's a rapid fire section. 
generally the the everybody gets the same questions okay, okay? it's super super intense and very hard-hitting type of stuff okay sure. are you ready i don't I know think if so. i'm ready okay Here are both of us answering or is no, no. It's just me it's all right okay. so i'm on the hot seat yeah, yeah, yeah yes you are um what is uh your favorite oh this is the first question uh what's your favorite play of your career high school college pros whatever my favorite player of my career was actually in high school i had a 96 yard run i played running back i think i broke maybe seven tackles nice. <laughs> and i'm pretty sure i made espn that day actually did you really yeah yeah it was pretty cool love that favorite i'm just player. glad that you didn't say anything regarding a, a certain, certain Tennessee Georgia the game. The 2016 <laughs> time we beat Georgia. Uh, well, we are back to back national champions, so <laughs> there we go. Maybe maybe going for a third. But Michael wasn't at Tennessee when that. Yeah, happened. I wasn't there. He he wouldn't have let that happen. <laughs> okay. Um. Now, question number two: If you could have a superpower, what would your superpower be? Be anything. Invisibility. Ooh. Invisibility. That's a good one. Yeah. You I just. Think. Do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> no one would care. No. no okay. uh, mine's always being able to teleport, like away from traffic. That would be cool. Or just snap your fingers and be somewhere. But being invisible, um, highly rated. Uh, who is your favorite? Okay, we know about Mike Vick, right? So mm -hmm. let's take him out of the equation. We're plugging him out. Yeah. Uh, who is your favorite player, regardless of sport? Outs Outside uh, of Michael Vick. Ooh. Mike Vick accepted. <laughs> Outside of Michael Vick in any sport. Tough, man. There's so many to choose from. Are you a LeBron or Kobe guy? I feel like that's a, a big kicker, too. So when I was younger, I was more of a LeBron fan. Mm -hmm. um, and I still am a LeBron fan. But as I got older, like Kobe's mentality kind of yeah. stuck with me a little more. Yeah. But I wouldn't say he is Your my favorite. top athlete. I would probably have to go with Serena. Serena, yes. that's a good one. She's yes. Different. We have the first This is Serena the one. first time. I've nobody else has said that? No. No, no one has said. What is everybody said, else saying? No one has said a female athlete, and I am just so excited about this. <laughs> oh, Serena. She is the yeah. goat. She's she is the goat. goat. Yeah. She's the goat. I will sure. die on that hill. <laughs> um, great answer. Best answer of the podcast ever, and we've done a lot of episodes of this. Um, the next question, is there a TV show or a movie that you're particularly fond of at the current moment? My favorite movie of all time is Life. Ooh, Ooh that's a good one. That is yeah, good one. that's that's definitely. I mean, that's that's gonna be my favorite movie ever. Ever for for ever. Yeah. yeah. Like, gotcha. how many but, times have we seen it? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I've probably seen Life probably probably close to twenty times. Whoa. 20 times. Okay. I bought Life on DVD when <laughs> DVDs weren't even a thing anymore, right. just because I wanted to have. <laughs> you just wanted to own the DVD. <laughs> yeah. You didn't want to be uh, able Eddie Murphy like, and Martin Lawrence. Nah, uh, no, I'm, I'm watching that regardless. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm actually upset because I'm pretty sure you have to pay for it now, uh -huh. and I don't have a DVD player, but I might go get one. Honestly, yeah. the, <laughs> only reason, right. the yeah. only reason I have a DVD That's and a, a DVD player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. to watch live. Yeah. Absolutely essential. And then uh, last one, and especially because you're from Atlanta, Atlanta restaurant that you, would, that, that you can't live without. Man. I know there's a lot of good ones. <laughs> I know that one's always like the hard one. I know like when we, the first oh, person that we Grady, had like 
Grady he said, went. He, he gave us a laundry list of places to go. Yeah. He's like, this is where you should go. This is where you should go. And I was like, Grady, that's out of my tax bracket. Right. <laughs> or, when I was growing up, we, after church, we would go to Busy Bee. Go to Busy Bee? Yeah, Busy Bee or Pascal's, but most mostly Busy Bee, though. I'd probably say you if you come to Atlanta and you want to experience the culture, you got to go to Busy Bee. See, I feel like that's a fantastic choice. Serena and Busy Bee in the yeah. same yeah. rapid fire. That is top 10 rapid fire right elite there. company right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Abernathy, thank you so much for joining us on this Falcons of Focus presented by Ticketmaster. Everybody out there, do what you do. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Atlanta Falcons Podcast Network. And we will be back next week with another awesome guest. See ya.